0: And you have to be pretty full of yourself to believe that you got here on your own. I mean, it's the American dream. America, we're very good at taking things that don't belong to us and making them ours and feeling entitled to it. Whether it's the land, the customs, other people's resources, we take it and then we feel entitled to it. It is ours, but in reality, God says it is His and for those of us who know Jesus Christ, who have paid this sacrifice, has been paid for us, it goes even di- deeper. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? You are not your own. You were bought at a price.
1: Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam Parham, I'm the host for this show. Thanks so much for listening. Um, This next uh, message is the last in our series called 2020 Vision. Um, In this series, we're just kind of looking at what uh, God has for us for this year. Um, And uh, Nathan's talking about um, specifically money in this message. Um, I did want to give you guys an announcement. Uh, Next weekend at the church will be our annual celebration uh, for 2019. And if you haven't been to one of those before, basically, uh, we kind of recap uh, excuse me. Recap what God did uh, in Life Church in 2019, and also if you are a partner, there will be several things to vote on. So uh, make sure that you come out for that weekend. Um, and here's Nathan with a message.
0: Philippians 3:13. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I can't think of a better modern illustration of a life that pressed on to win the prize. I just want to do God's will. The very next day, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. What would it be like to have that kind of determination. To have that kind of peace. To have that kind of vision that I have seen the promised land. That is a life that is centered on something. That is a life that sees beyond. That's a life that's all about a sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ which he mirrored in his own life but he saw beyond that to the day when everything would be made new. Our series began with this concept, that how we center our lives, how we order our lives, what we focus on, what we even look beyond to, directly affects how well we live this life and how well we're used by God. And we learn that we can fix our lives on a journey moving towards the cross or fix our life on something else. And so are we straining on to reach the prize or have we forgotten to leave something behind? So we forget what is behind, and that's this box. Something that Martin left behind, something that each of us struggle every day to do. And at the beginning of the series, I talked about this box and what this box actually means. It's like four little mini finish lines, and this finish line is what we're straining towards. We're actually trying to get past this line. And this line is like the home, the mortgage, you know, the house, the, the, the cars, the, the things, the vacations, the 401k, the retirement plans, the retirement home. If we could just get across this line, if we could just make that amount of money, if we would be able to do that, we'd arrive. And when we arrive, we feel safe, we feel comfortable. And if we can create a future for our kids, if our kids can experience all of these opportunities, if they can do all the things that they want to do, if, if we can do that, if we can make sure that our children and our grandchildren don't have to suffer, then we'll feel safe And it goes into our relationship with God, that if we can know God just enough to not hurt, if we can know God just enough, that if we can make sure we do the things that make us a good Christian, like not swearing and not watching the wrong movies and and doing the right things at church, if we could just get across that line, then we would be safe with God and God would take care of us and would give us comfort. These lines continue to grow and grow and grow. And and maybe this line for you is finding that community of people, whether it's the church that that makes you feel comfortable or it's the people that you live life with that make you feel comfortable or whatever it is. In all of our life, we're trying to get into this box and arrive. And we believe that if we just got there, then we would be secure, that we would be safe, that we would be comfortable. And our lives either are about the cross or they are about the box. We're talking about something today. We're talking about money. And money is a tool. You know, that money is just a tool. It provides the ability to find worth, security, and comfort. It buys those homes. It, it gives our kids those education. It gives us the prestige that we really want, that place in the community it gives us the ability to not feel powerless money is simply a tool i want to tell you about a story about a man who used the tool of money and hard work to arrive his name is vin chung vin chung grew up in vietnam And he was a young kid at the end of the Vietnam War. His parents owned a multi-million dollar rice business over there, but it was taken from them, and they were threatened, and they had to leave. So they put all of their family, along with other families, into a boat and literally just tried to make it to a different country. I don't think we have anything that compares to that in our country right now. But they just tried to make it, and they showed up, in Malaysia... But first, they had to make sure that they overcome Thai pirates. Thai pirates came and stole all of their money, abused them, and beat them, and then left them in the boat. And they arrived finally after this long journey in Malaysia. And before they could even get onto the shore, they were taken by the Malaysian army. The Malaysian army (laughs) beat them, marched them, and kept going until they put them back into four new fishing boats, one of which you see here. But these fishing boats didn't have any means of movement. They didn't have an engine, they didn't have anything. They just dragged these four fishing boats into the middle of the ocean, told them out there, left them to die. 10 days, 10 days without food or water. The mothers were talking about whether they were going to drown their own children so that they wouldn't have to suffer anymore. And Vin Chung's father prayed that God would show up. An Operation Sea Sweep, a boat from World Vision that went into this area and just found all these drifting people to help them showed up. Now, they weren't allowed to actually take them out of the boat. They could just be like the reverse of the Thai pirates, just show up, give them water, give them food, wish them luck, and pray for them. But when the president of World Vision and the captain of this boat came on, to this boat here, this, they, they couldn't do it anymore, and they made a decision to break the law, and they pulled them in, and Vin Chung was on this boat right here. That was his life. He was rescued out of the water. And he and his 11 siblings made it to Arkansas, out in the middle of nowhere. And his parents, who used to be multi-million dollar business owners, worked multiple minimum wage jobs for almost the rest of their life. Things weren't easy. They worked hard to build a home. You think that you have enough clothes. Well, he had eight brothers. They had one bedroom and three beds, meaning if you didn't get to bed on time, you were sleeping on the floor. And when you woke up in the morning to go, you didn't have your own clothes. No, there were baskets of all the clothes that all the boys had together. There was a basket of socks, a basket of underwear, and a basket of shirt, and a basket of pants. And you got what you got. That was his life, striving about as far from this box as possible. But over years and hard work, all 11 of those children went to college, many of them to Ivy League schools like Harvard and Yale. They went to medical school, got master's degrees. They became doctors and lawyers and engineers and teachers. He then became a dermatologist with his own practice. All of them know Jesus Christ as their Savior, the American dream. And for many of us as Christians, that's our dream. Our dream, to arrive, to know Jesus Christ, to have all those things, and to make a name for ourselves. I want to read a quote from Vin, who I met last week. He said this, I have done everything in my power to distance myself from poverty, powerlessness, and weakness. They have arrived. Last week, Jared had a message on generosity. And as I was listening to him, and then I went back to last year in February, where we preached two messages on generosity and stewardship about the heart and then the plan of what to do. It's called Man of the Maggots. I encourage you to go back, check it out. You'll want to by the hand of this message. And what I could do is lay out before you how to manage your money, how to follow the pattern of last year and how to manage your money, how to do it right. But I already preached that sermon. And for many of you, Things haven't changed. It was a, If it was a simple matter of being uninformed on how to manage money, most of us would be fine. We would have figured it out. But the problem is that this is a hard issue. It looks less like an economics lesson that we need and more like a love triangle that we need to get sorted out. The love of money, the love of God and us. It's about what we love. And we love what money can help us feel. So as I was listening, I can't help but hear the words of Jesus in Mark. The words of Jesus in one of the biographies of Jesus in Mark 12, which we're going to go to in just a moment. See, whenever I'm in this moment where I feel God stirring in my heart something, I go to the word of God. And I see something there, and it changes my perspective. And I want to share that with you today. Whether you're here in the room or you're at home because your kids are sick or you're not in the state, I want to share something with you from Mark 12. The Word of God matters. What He has to say matters. I encourage you, get your own Bible, bring it with you. Be on your phone. It'll be on the screen. Listen to this again with new ears through this new kind of lens. Mark 12, 30. This is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now what's happening here is God is laying something out. This is the basis of our life. And what he's saying is that God demands our entire being, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It's everything that you are. Everything that you are is summed up in those four things. That means every single part. And when we love God, when we truly love God, it doesn't compartmentalize. It doesn't limit our love to only one or two aspects of our lives or one or two days of the week. No, no, no. When we love God, we love God in every single moment of every single day. That's why we're learning to pray without ceasing because we love God with everything. Now, why do I bring this up? Because money Money is a result of all of our being. It's it's, it's a result of our soul, our mind, our strength, our heart. Why? Money, when you really think about it, is distilled energy. Money is distilled energy, meaning energy that's put into this paper form. It's hard work converted to paper. And where does it come from? Well, the energy, right, as you learn in school, starts with the sun, which is essential to life on earth. And because of that life on earth, the land... And it's resources, what we stand on, what we breathe, everything is created. So this energy is already starting to distill down into making us able to eat and move. But it goes beyond that. Not just that, but the wood, the the minerals, the metals, the precious resources that make up everything we interact with, including the phone that you're on, not paying attention to what I'm saying right now. The computers we work on, the carpentry tools, the wrenches, the books that we read, the electricity, all that we consume begins with the world around us. Do me a favor, everyone, no matter where you're at. You do this every day. You do this without even thinking. But draw your attention to this action right now. And with me, I want you to breathe in with me. Ready, everyone? Breathe in. Breathe in. I'll breathe out. What has just happened inside of you is that you have taken the oxygen from the air into your lungs. It went into your blood, traveled throughout your body into your very cells. You gave life to everything that you have and the muscles and and the tissues, it it energizes and animates your movement. Not only that, it it allows your brain to fire. We go brain dead when we don't have oxygen, but when we have oxygen, we can comprehend and create new neural pathways. This energy right here, this energy is, is incredible. It comes from the world, and the world is here. Your very ability to think about the energy and how it flows through the world is given to you by God because the world is His. Let me break it down. You can't understand what I just said unless He gave you the energy to do it. And we work. We work hard, we strive, and we grow, and we take the energy around us, and we distill it down. We take the care and energy of our parents, and we distill it down in our community, and we learn, and we grow, and we make a name for ourselves. We work hard, yes. We're good at that in Detroit. We work hard. We pay our dues. We get a job. We get paid. The energy of the world, beginning with the sun, distilled down into our hands. And when all of that happens, we hold it. And what do we call it? We call it mine. But it's the height of arrogance to think that this distilled energy in your hand is only yours. Yours. It's intellectual laziness. It's a finite and narrow understanding of the universe and the world. And therein lies the heart issue. The Lord says, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. The world and all of its fullness are mine. And you have to be pretty full of yourself to believe that you got here on your own. I mean, it's the American dream. America, we're very good at taking things that don't belong to us and making them ours and feeling entitled to it. Whether it's the land, the customs, other people's resources, we take it and then we feel entitled to it. It is ours. But in reality, God says it is his. And for those of us who know Jesus Christ, who have paid, this sacrifice has been paid for us, it goes even deeper. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? which is in you, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So how we manage our money, that distilled energy entrusted to us, matters. If we keep it all for ourselves and for ours, it communicates something very profound. We are the most important being in the world. What we do with our money is directly connected to our understanding of our being. What we do with our money is directly connected to our understanding of our being and the universe. And deep in our hearts, most of us can't shake the feeling that money that we have is ours. So if Mark 12 is saying one thing in our hearts, telling us another. What are we going to do about it? See, God demands our entire being, and that includes all of our heart. All of it. With that understanding, I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 6, 9, 6 through 7. And when everyone just breathe a little more of that energy. Just breathe out a little bit. Breathe it in. It's all right. I want to read to you a scripture. Jared mentioned it last week, and I just couldn't get past it. I needed to to spend more time on this, and and I'm realizing more and more and more in my own life that this is a heart issue. So listen to this with me, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's a farming reality. Now listen, this is the mean of it here. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, to give in your heart, not reluctantly, are under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a scripture you have probably heard before, even before Jared's message last week. For those of us there, if not, you can go check it out. But many of us don't give, why? Because our hearts aren't in it. We don't give to the mission of what God's doing in the world. We aren't generous with other people because our hearts aren't in it. And I've actually seen this scripture used as an excuse to not give because somebody's heart wasn't in it. Well, I don't give because my heart's not in it. I only give when and where I feel like giving. And that's maybe a little bit different, the terminology, but that's the heart of what they're saying. And it's important to know where this scripture lies. This scripture lies in a story about the generosity of one church to another church. Paul is asking for a gift to another church and another part of the world. He's saying, hey, we have a new mission to do here. We have something new to, to do. We want you to be part of it. It's over and above and beyond the needs of the current community that had everything in common and took care of whatever needed to be around them and was reaching out. It was above and beyond. This scripture wasn't intended to be an excuse not to give. It wasn't. On top of it, it's saying, give in your heart. Don't be reluctantly under compulsion. It's not saying, hey, if you feel like you're under compulsion, don't give. It's saying, no, if your heart is in this place, it's an opportunity to examine your heart. Well, that's hard. In Deuteronomy 15, which is tied to this section deeply, it, it, it says this. This is God's commandment. You shall give generously and without a grudging heart you will give and you will like it. You will eat your vegetables and you will like it. Anyone heard that growing up? Four of you? That's what's wrong with our nation right now. I just, I'm kidding. I said this, I had this in the message, and last night, I said this to my children without remembering it, like, you'll eat your vegetables, and you'll like it, and you'll stop talking, right? But it's this idea of like, well, well, that makes sense for kids, but like, you can't tell people how to feel, and your feeling is really, really important. What has happened in our world, and in our culture that has infiltrated the very church is that our feelings have become the most important thing about our being more important than what God has to say. Why is it on the same side of that that we feel like we have no control of our emotions? We've surrendered to that. When did it go, for the most important thing of our being is feeling, when did it go from I think, therefore I am, to I feel, therefore I am? When did we become slaves to our feelings? When I read 2 Corinthians 9, I see an invitation into a great work. Well, Paul's saying, no, we're going to do something incredible. We're going to see God move. People are going to relentlessly pursue one more church and one more people. I see that inside of this idea, and they're like, come and be part of it. Check your hearts. Check your hearts. But, but come be part of this movement. To the early Gentile nation, which most people in this room, we're Gentiles. We are a direct product of what is happening in this very moment. To take what we have and it's multiplied beyond what they thought they were doing into every one of our lives. I see an invitation to examine our hearts so that we can live into the burden and responsibility and honor of giving to further the mission of God on earth to make all things new giving isn't a feeling at first it's an attitude that is chosen and it manages our hearts it shepherds our hearts so why don't we give because our hearts aren't in it we haven't chosen it we're not able to love god with every part of our being as mark calls us to because he says i want your heart i want your heart too So I want you to know what God's heart is for you, what his, he wants your attitude to look like. So I need a volunteer. And anyone in the audience willing to come up on stage and be a volunteer, will you raise your hand right now? All right, I'm looking, I'm looking. Anyone else? Okay, okay. Uh, Because I know some of you already know. Sir, in the very back right there. Yes, you, wave your hand, come on up. You guys give him a round of applause for being bold. Come on, that's not nearly good enough. Half of you would never come on stage. Come on. As he comes up, I want him to I want you to know. And there's a lot of people who put their hands up real quick because they already know what I'm about to do, and I ignored them because I wanted to pick the people who was bold. Hey, how are you doing? This is Jake, everybody. Can you say hey, Jake? Hey, Jake. How are you feeling right now, Jake? I'm feeling great. Good. Well, the good news is, Jake, I'm gonna give you some money. How do you feel about that? I'm feeling better. Yes. <laughs> So, what I want to do is I want to give you money. So, just stick out your hand like that, and I'm going to count it out for you if that's all right. So, I have $10, that's nice, 20 30 40 50 60 why not, $70, 80 90 $100. How are you feeling now? Really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so, if I asked you right now, hey, can I just have 10 of those dollars back, what would you say? Here you go. Thanks, man. Now, here's the deal. If I asked you for another $10, I'm going to keep it for you. I'm going to put it in the envelope in the back. And if you ever need gas or food or anything, I'm going to hold that $10 for you. Would you be willing to do that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, 100%. 100%. How do you feel about the $80 in your hand? Totally blessed. Totally blessed. What are you going to do with that money?
1: Probably give it in the tithe when it comes to- <laughs>
0: Jake is a nice person, <laughs> you know, that's really great. Well, that money is yours to do whatever you want with it. I hope that you uh, feel blessed and that you have a great rest of your day. Can you guys give it up for him? Thank you. How many of you would have raised your hand if you knew that was about to happen? Y'all don't need money? Okay. Uh, Jake is Jake is awesome, he has such a good heart. Uh, the previous two services, you can always come back next service and raise your hand, right? Uh, the previous two services, one of them needed gas, one of them needed food, and it was blessed them for it. Now, God wants that heart to be just like His heart feels, where He just has this 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 gift, this joy, this exuberance, and He's immediately like, I'm going to give it to the church, and I'm going to do something with it. What I love that, but that's the exact heart God wants for you and your finances. Now, here's the deal. That's a nice illustration. And most of you knew where I was going with that. But you're saying, look, that's different. He didn't come to church thinking he was going to get money given to him today. That's not any church I've been to, right? And he works hard for his money. I work hard for my money. I work hard for what's mine. There's sweat and tears and responsibilities and everything in that. That's not how the world works. What if I told you that's how God wants your attitude to be? that there's a freeness in that, that there's a joy in that, there's an excitement of how you can use that. And what have I told you that that illustration is a perfect way to shepherd your heart into that direction? This 10, 10, 80. Now what that was is when I asked for it back, that's just like what God does with us. He says, can I just, can I have 10% back? And he said, yeah, sure, of course. And then 10% to save for the future. So that's 10 to give, 10 to save, and then 80 to live on the rest, and in the series Man of the Magus, which I reference, I talk in depth about this and more, and how it can help you grow. I encourage you to go back to our archives to check it out, to get into that, to spend time listening to it. It's a good set of messages, and there's so many resources out there. But what I want to point out is one thing, and it has to do with the attitude of our hearts when we live into 10, 1080. When we manage our money that way, we are managing our heart. We are shepherding our heart. When we intentionally steward our finances, we are shepherding our heart. We're moving it towards love of God with every step. Did you know that you have control over your feelings? With long-term steps and movement, you can manage your heart. Like a shepherd manages the sheep that beats back wolves that guides them to green pastures and to calmness and to joy and to sustenance, that we can manage our hearts. See, from the very beginning of humanity, after we made a choice to go our own way through the Old Testament all the way through into the early church and even to the now, God has continued to train his people to lead their hearts to them because our hearts want to run away. And so if we actively join him in managing our hearts, we make him the center of our entire being, where our entire world is ordered around God. When we give that first 10% back to God, it represents the whole person, all of our energy distilled down into a living offering to the Lord. It represents all of our work and all of who we are. It's a renewed commitment to living in relationship with God as well as a desire to live a life ordered around the worship of God. And that's why it comes first. One of the individuals uh, was meeting with one of our pastors. And every time they get their paycheck, they pull it out. They pull their phone out immediately, text to give, and give that money, that the, the giving first. And he, it's almost like this excitement to do it, this joy of like, oh, I'm going to do this first. I'm going to do this first. Why? Because he understood what the government understood long ago. They take your money first before you even see it. But he understood that instead of that being chosen for him, unless you want to live off the grid and live under the table, right, that he would choose that for himself. See, he's managing his own heart, and it's leading him towards a peace and joy and generosity. The second 10%, that second 10 that I'm going to hold for him, I'll put it in an envelope, and I'll hide it in the back. And if he ever needs $10, I'm going to give it to him. It's like savings. So we want people to save. It's good wisdom to keep us financially light. To not have a lot of debt and to be able to overcome should something come up allows you to be light and move. It's part of the reason why I could even move up to Michigan. It's part of the reason that people can go and be missionaries. It's also a way to invest late in our years because money grows as you save it and to provide a legacy beyond. Some of you know the story. It's in that other series about how I don't stand here today except for somebody else's legacy and what they invested in me. It allows us as well, should something terrible come up, not to lose distilled energy and money to interest. Not to lose energy and money, right? If that's how precious it is, it's all of who we are put into something. Not to lose it just to pay for the chance to borrow. Not much the fact that that would sap our energy and our life if you have lots of debt, which many of you do, it's a burden. That's why it's 10, 10, and then 80, living the rest. But again, I started with a heart issue. So I want to talk about, as we close here, as we get close to the end, our reasons why we don't give. The first one is our previous decisions have enslaved us. Many of us struggle to give, much less tithe much less become generous beyond because we struggle to make this month's rent, or let's be honest, last month's rent. Because we're in debt up to our eyeballs. I don't know how you got there, whether it was a bad decision or it was just life that came out of you out of nowhere because life happens. But many of us are under the burden of debt. So we don't give because we don't feel like we can give anything. And we have very real responsibilities. There's a reason why the, the, the borrower, slave, to the lender, and so I want to encourage you to sign up for Financial Peace University. It's incredible, people have gotten rid of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, and I am not exaggerating there. Myself following, I've overcome 60 plus thousand dollars worth of debt, and I don't care how many problems you have, this can help you move towards freedom, and that's what God wants you to do. Second reason we don't give is because our trust in our money is too high. When the money that we do have, we trust it too much. How do I know that this is the case? How do I know that trusting in our money makes it really hard for us to love God? How do I know that? Well, I've seen it, but there's a church in Korea that I visited that grew from 150 to 90,000 in the span of one pastor. 150 people to 90,000 people. They have thousands of churches in almost every country and province in Asia. That's one of their goals. And they told us from their own experience that there is a great barrier to their mission and to the mission of Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, okay, Asia, you've got Russia, you've got India, you've got all the East Asia, you've got Australia, just the different ways of living, the different languages, it must be one of those. It must be that those are the issues that what they're doing in Korea isn't translating in Australia or isn't translating on Mongolia. It's a, No, no, no. They said, you know what the number one barrier is? How much money the make people make? He says, in countries where the gross domestic product per capita, which means all the money of the whole country is broken down to individual, when that is $30,000 a year or more, when that is $30,000 a year or more, it is extremely hard to grow the church and to bring people to faith. Why? Because their trust and their money Is too high. Anyone who went through the Great Depression, who we have very few of those left, understands that money, at least the way we do it, is a lie. And it could be taken from you in a moment, but yet we have placed our trust in it. The other side of it is if they make under 30,000, that same number under it, they almost can't keep up with the growth of people who are being transformed by Jesus Christ. So we don't make 30,000 per individual in America we make 50 how much harder is it for us we don't need god and we like it we trust our money not our god third reason our love for god is too little our love for god is too little The side effect of having things that we want and having security and having some semblance, not of all of us having arrived, but having this comfort, is that we don't need and we don't love God. We forget what we have been saved from. We forget that there was a debt that needed to be paid, that our brokenness and sin meant that we would never know God in the way that we could, that we needed someone to pay that debt. And some of us need to repent and get on our knees And ask for forgiveness. And we need to be revitalized to what Jesus has done for us. Because we have forgotten the grace of which we have been given. I'm reminded every day that we need that. Second part of that. And and I encourage you to sign up for the life journey. If you feel like your heart's just not in the right place. You need to be part of the life journey where there'll be people who encourage you and get you excited again and remind you from what you've been saved from so that you can live into what you've been saved for. Finally, I would say in this, many of us have grown up under some really bad teaching or we've adopted some bad views. So some of us, We've got this church line and doing the right things as a Christian down pat. I give. I do what I need to do. I give above and beyond. I've done all of those things. But the reason why I do it is because of obligation or fear. I do it because I've been taught or I believe that if I don't give to God what he is due, then he is going to punish me. You believe that it, it's it's something out of fear basis. You've been under that, like, well, if you just gave more, you'd be okay, as if God's some kind of vending machine, and your life is falling apart because you don't give more. That's box thinking. That we're supposed to pursue God so that we can feel comfort and security and safety. No one of any impact that I can see in this world ever pursued safety. As Bonhoeffer and Martin Luther King Jr., all of these individuals, they pursued something else. So what I'd say for you. Don't give out of obligation, but give towards participation. Just like these individuals were told in Corinthians, give towards something, towards this movement of what God is going to do. Check your heart and go after it. Finally, we don't give because we turn to this box instead of turning to the cross. I've been saying this the entire time. But we think that it's, this is what life is about instead of this. I told you at the very beginning of the message that it's time to step out. That until you step out, you won't realize that that's a facade. It's not real. It's not good. That until you step out, you won't believe me that this journey is so much better. And so for some of us, we need to turn away from the box. So I want to return to Vin Chung, who arrived. So Vin Chung, later in his life, he has a family now, and he realizes that World Vision is part of the reason why he's here today. So not sure 100% his motivations, but he said, you know what, I'm going to participate in what World Vision's doing. And so he adopts a child in Cambodia, travels to Cambodia, sees the brokenness and the pain and the hurt there, and he's wrecked by it. Absolutely wrecked by it. Wrote a book about this entire experience, if you ever want to check it out. But he said this, to live a life of comfort is not enough. After this visit, he began to sponsor more, but then he came back and he looked at his business and said, it's time to grow our business. He timed to grow our business so that their impact could be magnified. Through their business, they sponsored two more programs, one in Rwanda for economic development and one in Cambodia, Cambodia to support vulnerable children. Then, they launched a new cosmetic arm of their dermatology practice. All of the proceeds benefiting children and women overseas who are at risk. Then they added even more offices to support the poor in their local community. What kind of thinking is that? American dream is to build an empire so that you can provide for not just yourself, but those kids. That's what the American dream is all about. Who comes back and says, we got to triple the size of our business to make a difference somewhere else? People who understand it's not about arriving. That's out of the box thinking. Hmm. There's their family. And they're a little bit older now. But as I was calculating up and listening to them, their children alone have raised around a quarter of a million dollars for kids overseas, doing more than anyone has ever done at their age, raised it by running marathons and climbing literal mountains. The youngest son, I think it's the one in the very center there at the bottom, he's a little older now, he, he gives his allowance. He takes every penny of his allowance every month, and he gives it to support a child overseas. If that isn't a picture of what we should do, take the distilled energy that God has allowed us to do to make an impact in the world, I don't know what is. But on top of that, he got so moved and was so transformed and realized that comfort is not enough that he asked for a job at their medical practice just so that he could pay to support another child. That is legacy. That is impact. And I want nothing more for your children, for my children, for my heart, than to have this same heart. He could have spent his whole life pursuing this idea of arriving. But instead, he looked and said, how can I pursue Jesus Christ best? How can others know him? I want to read the whole quote from him again. Because when you take something out of context, you miss the point. But he said this to, to a group of us last week. I have done everything in my power to distance myself from poverty, from powerless, and from weakness. And yet, it's in those very places where I have felt God most deeply. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 9 remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God, he's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will what? You will abound in every good work. We have a work to do, church. We better get about it. Manage your finances and shepherd your heart. Manage your heart. Pursue freedom from debt. Then live into 10, 10, 80. But see those as the training wheels for something greater. Not surviving, but impact. And God will give you everything that you need so that you can participate in the very work of the cross. Will you stand with me? I need you to listen right now. When we talk about money, like Jared said, it is a talk about emotions. So what I want everyone to do is close their eyes. And I want you to open your hands physically. I'm not looking. I won't even see. No one will see. Everyone's eyes are closed. And what you do when you open your hands, whether it's just down at your pockets, real small, if that's all you want to do, or it's up in the air... You are showing, God, that my heart is open. The barriers are open. I'm going to let myself be vulnerable to you for just a moment. I'm going to let you speak to me, God, and all the things I have put up to make me feel safe, I'm going to let them be bare. And God is in this moment. He is here, and he wants to speak to you. Let me pray over you. God, I pray. I pray against shame anger, fear. God, reach in. Remove those things. Reach in and, and place a love for you, a heart for you, a passion for you that drives us to do more. And whatever way that looks, God, I don't care. I care about the heart because you care about the heart. And so God, Do some surgery in our hearts right now. Help us understand that you have joy set before us. Help us have the courage to step out of the box. For those in the room who want to follow Jesus after that message, who want to live a life of purpose, You need to realize that you have to leave something behind. That you have to accept a gift of new life. And you have to accept a payment for all that you've done wrong. And I want you to do that with me right now if you're ready. Your heart's open. I want you to talk to God who is in our midst, who's with us, who wants to hear from you. And you can do that by repeating after me out loud or in your heart. Make this cry your own. Pray with me. God. I need someone to rescue me. Like Vin in the middle of an ocean I'm drifting. You sent Jesus to rescue me from myself and my brokenness. Because I was on a trajectory to eternities of separation. Jesus was sent for me, so I choose him. I choose to accept this forgiveness to receive a new eternal life and I will follow you. I'll forget what lies behind and I will press and strain to take hold of what Jesus Christ is taking hold of me to live a life where my entire heart Soul, mind, and spirit loves the Lord my God.
1: Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can text I'm new to 734 349 3475 or fill out the form linked in the show notes below, and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might be listening to it. Um, And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Live Church Canton Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.